Welcome to Say Shura. I am Scoot Magood. I'm Jim Jam. And we are back from some vacation time and just some general hiatus, although we did post because we love you and we want to not have a lapse in your enjoyment of our musical thoughts and opinions. <laughs> we love we um, love all three of you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, Especially you, Travis. Like... <laughs> I, I, I'm assuming there's somebody named Travis. I don't know. But if your name's Travis, we love you. You know? And if, if not, man, go to hell. I don't know. What an amazing guest that would be if you were right. Oh, just, um, next up, Travis. Our good friend, Travis. Our biggest <laughs> fan. Uh, he even has the shirt that we haven't made. <laughs> exactly. God. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. He, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm fucking this all up. Uh, go ahead, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I mean... In any case, we have, uh, I kind of wanted to do a preform episode, just kind of a, you know, whatever comes to mind. Uh, yeah. Pro- I, probably m- might be a little bit shorter in, in that regard, but we're just going to uh, talk about what's, you know, we didn't really have a lot of time to prepare given we were both away and, and busy in various capacities, but figure we just talk about whatever musical is, music related is on our mind. Yeah. Which, you, I it sounds like you have something to start us off. Um. Do I or or not? I, I I yeah. I keep sometimes I get the feeling that like ooh, Scott has something to say, you know, and, and, uh, then, and then I just get to sit back and relax and not do anything. So, <laughs> I mean, it's been kind of um, somewhat slow for a music. I mean, in terms of big music news, uh, there was you know over the past few months, there's been a few things that uh, I thought were interesting. Um. But nothing recently, which I guess is good. You know, not a lot of, of musical news that... Um, well, oh, well, I mean, here's one for you. Um, I assume you've seen this already, but new KO. album coming out? Yeah, that... that um, yeah, for, for me, there's, there's always new music all the time. So it, it kind of... That yeah. didn't stick out right away. But that one is going to be really interesting. And to me, um, it definitely sounds like they're going more towards... Based on the description. I mean, it's kind of a long... Uh, description a little bit up up its own ass in a way. About, <laughs> yeah, I, um, I I think I read it on Sputnik and like I think I was in like the first sentence I was like, now. Nope. <laughs> yeah, it was just like based on like some some I guess a chapter of a book or something like super niche, super specific, pretty nerdy. Um, but it sounds like they're gonna go back to that Habardo sound, maybe or at least kind of really. Heading, I mean, I mean, I think he, the way they talked about it, they referenced a lot of their back albums, which is cool, uh, because I, I enjoyed Coffins on IO and um, Plastic I, I House never, on Base of Sky. Yeah, I always forget the name of that album. Yeah, well, it's a pretty, I, it's a pretty dumb name. Oh, things considered. I, so I enjoyed the last two albums, but I felt like they, uh, perhaps more so than any other, um, any other Ko Dot. Uh, album i was gonna say like like couplet but they weren't necessarily linked and uh obviously he kind of bristled when um nick from the heavy block he interviewed him and asked uh, i don't know if you remember this he asked him um some question along the lines of do these two albums have like do you basically you're going along the same themes uh, because i mean he kind of he was like yeah. you listen to the two albums they have a lot in common he bristled at that and said well everything i do is unique everything i do is different so but Every album up to that point did have did have its own identity, but those two mm. definitely fall you know fell pretty much in the same kind of you know dark wave synth wave kind of eighties inspired realm, so to speak. Post rocky uh, almost. Yeah, yeah. and it, and there's nothing wrong with that. I thought both albums were good, but I, I don't know if um, I don't know if they had done a third album of that ilk. It would have it kind of would have gotten because one of the things that has always set Kyoto out apart. Is how different they they always shake things up. Um, yeah. They always kind of do something a little bit different within um, somewhat of a similar framework. Um, I mean, Toby Driver's always been doing like he's he's put out like what like three solo albums since uh, the last Ko Dot album. Oh, he might. Yeah, I'm it, trying it, to think. it's either two or three because um, he had that. I think it was Shield 
or We Are the Shield or whatever. They are the last shield, year. And then uh, Maiden Horror was the year before. Yep. And then uh, I think the side project is called Piggy Black Cross. Oh, I wasn't it's even a, thinking about that. I was just thinking about Tony yeah. Driver just solo. Maybe, yeah. But he definitely uh, has always kept things interesting. They, they, I, um, they are the they are the shield. Uh, that was a, that was a good one. I, I really enjoyed that album uh, last yeah. year. Um, oh, so I was, yeah, it, was, it was only two: is Madonna Whore and They Are the Shield. Um, but yeah, and then yeah, that Piggy Black Cross thing, which I never actually heard of. So <laughs> it's I mean that was a good album for sure. Uh, it wasn't. Um, uh, I, I I don't know. Like it, it definitely felt. It's always weird with a, a solo artist that also is the leader of another band, because uh, in, in a sense, there the Shield kind of felt like a Chaotic album because you still had Toby singing, and it definitely f- sounded like something that could be a Chaotic album. So yeah. it just it, that's why. It, I guess, you know, I think at the beginning of the year we were talking about albums we are looking forward to and whatnot. Um, that's just, that one just didn't come up because I feel like everything Toby does can be kind of lumped into that KO dot kind of spear because they, they do always change their sound. They always uh, sing. Um, um, so, well, like, can you go over that again? Because you said that, okay, that... You could lump them all in, which I'm like, but then you're like, but they're all different. <laughs> no, I, I just mean that when Toby Driver releases a, a solo album, oh, um, it kind of, I mean, they always change their, so it's not like his side projects sound completely different from his work with KO Dot only because that's not really a thing. That's not really a dynamic he has. It's not like, for example, uh, I'm trying to think of, like a, the first thing that comes to mind is AFI. You know, AFI is a specific specific sound, and the lead singer and the guitarist have like a, a synth pop side side project. Yeah. Like since since like Toby's always doing something different with his projects. Um, when he releases a solo album, you know he sings for Ko Dot too. So like I'm saying, you know that just kind of scratches that that itch for Ko Dot. Um, yeah. Because which is is always interesting for solo artists who don't do anything all that different. Um, and sing for their their bass project because it really does feel like an extension of, um, you know, extension of what they're, they're you know, kind of what they do normally. Um, but still, I, th- I think that he does approach Ko Dot with a bit of a larger scope. Clearly, I mean, it, it, it frankly, unfortunately, manifests in a bit of a bit of pretension, in the sense that he always has like this larger philosophical vision which is always kind of hard to follow and not particularly um necessary to enjoy the music but i mean i I think i didn't i don't know if he released a lead single but i'm looking forward to it nonetheless i think they so he released like it was like more of like a snippet like sort of like um uh when glowing man was about to come out like how they just released like you know like eight minutes of of like a song from it that's that's interesting. Yeah. So, I, so it was it was like a so you think it's gonna be like pretty long. I don't I don't um, know I, I I honestly I didn't listen to it. Um, you, you know that's something I'm always debating about is whether I like to listen to those like you know debut single or like those um lead singles or not. Uh, just like I don't know like it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me to do it. Because I, I kind of like to listen to the album as a whole experience. And, like, when like, like when I'm figuring out, like, my favorite albums of the year, I don't think about, like, oh, the singles that are part of it. I think of the album as a whole experience. And, like, you know, if it doesn't if it doesn't grab me from beginning to end, uh, it, it, it isn't on the list. I mean, so, like, I, I don't know. I, I, it, but then at the same time, like, there are some, like... I think the Flying Lotus singles that were released, like I thought that was very telling, and I was actually kind of thankful to have listened to them because <laughs> to, to to have gone in if, with if like higher expectations, you, yeah. yeah, than that, yeah, would have been like oh, that would have been even worse. Mm-hmm. Th- though I, I will say, like, I, I mean, that album really isn't that bad. Like, it's it's really not bad. 
all things considered. It's it's bad when you look at the you know um, at what Flylo is capable of. You know, in, in the general scheme of things, it's still a pretty awesome album. So, albeit very bloated. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I think trimming it probably would have helped in in hindsight. Uh, I mean, I haven't listened to it since we reviewed it. Yeah. Um, but I, I think maybe if it was a bit shorter, um, that it might have come across a bit. I mean, um, I, I, I for maybe. me, like some of the individual moments themselves weren't. I mean, were kind of bland in their own right. Uh, I think maybe if it was cut down with primarily the. I found the feature tracks to be the strongest tracks, so maybe if it was primarily those with only a few instrumental tracks in between, uh, it wouldn't have hit the same way it did. Uh, I'm not really sure. Obviously, it's kind of hard to, to know because, you know, what what tracks would you cut? What tracks would you keep? Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's something I actually want to talk about. Well, first off, I, I, I think, uh, just to reply to that, I, I feel like an hour album by Flylo could actually work. I think if he had ordered the tracks differently and actually tried to create some sort of cohesive experience with it, like he has with every other album he's put out, um, I think it would have gone over a lot better with me. Uh, but yeah, I definitely a lot of it felt a little fillery, but I wonder if that could be, you know, changed somehow with ordering the tracks a certain way. But uh, that brought up a god I, a point that i just completely forgot <laughs> god i hate that so much um it was something i was just thinking about too with um when it came to uh, can you just repeat what what basically you just said just j- jump jump start my mind for me <laughs> uh just basically um you know it's hard to know what tracks would be to it's one of those albums where i feel like there's a lot of songs that are kind of bland or just didn't do much for me i don't yeah. know which ones I would, I would cut but perhaps if it had been kind of refined a bit it would have hit in a different way um it's hard to know like for example uh, i guess somewhat in the same genre oh, the, uh, the, 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 sorry that's what it was uh collaborations uh that's what i was just thinking of uh or did, did you want to talk more about that or Oh, I, I was I was just you know just as a quick example. Okay. Uh, uh, Biggie Smalls' second album uh, yeah. actually has a lot of songs I think are some of his best and better than what he had on his debut, which I think overall is a much better album. But since there's just so much music on the second album and a lot of it's not very good uh, or kind of bland, it kind of it's hard to it's hard to remove. Like you can't judge an album based on what would it sound like if it was retooled this way. Yeah. Um, you know it, it, that's just not. Yeah, you, you have to take it as it is. Yeah, kind of like how one of my favorite examples is there's uh, this band. They're kind of like a lot of spew kind of band, like the emo, post hardcore in a way, called uh, Self Defense Family. Okay. And they had a, an album based on like the life of a, this one uh, prostitute and like sex worker, which is kind of interesting. And they actually had an, an interview with her about her life, cut into two, I think, 20 ish minute parts, uh, which is kind of cool, except that it was supposed to be set up like vinyl. Where like the second half of each side, like A and B, was the half and half of that interview, but like mm. you could listen to it on like streaming services and stuff like that. So basically, in order to listen to the whole album, you had to go through like two twenty-minute interviews. Yeah, and it's kind of like that's... it's kind of hard to. I mean, like I think I wrote a review about it for Sputnik a while back. People said, "Yeah, well, you can just skip it." LOL. Like that's not that hard. I'm like, okay, but it's like in the middle of the album. Yeah, like, like you can't. Like, well, it's not even that. Like, like if if the artist has deemed that it's on the album, you, I, I think it's it's you know our, you know, like I think it's a listener's duty to at least, you know, listen to the entire thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't. It wasn't included as a, um, as like a bon- If it was a bonus disc, I feel like that might be one thing. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it just it, it wasn't like it was. It's it's included as you know tracks within you know embedded in the track listing. Yeah. So uh, also, uh, you contributed. You contribute to uh, Sputnik. Yeah, I reviewed quite a bit. Uh, I think sophomore year of college, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, I, which... I I kind of want to look these up now. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm trying to think about. I reviewed. Um, Oh, what the hell? I'm trying to... I don't remember the name of the band. They're a power metal band I reviewed for whatever reason. Why would you... <laughs> Scott, why, why would you review a power th- metal band? Yeah, I don't think it was Blind Guardian. 
Oh, I, I, I honestly, I can't even remember. I'll have to think about it. But I reviewed <laughs> Self Defense Family. I reviewed a bunch of random shit. Uh, just because I was trying to do a review every day, I wanted to get on staff. This is before I'd rejoined Heavy Blog. Yeah. Um, oh wait, and I, then I, I never knew you left. Yeah, I left um, early college because I wanted to write for the new. Basically, I used the Heavy Blog as like a stepping stone to write for the new review, which is like another site I wrote for. And then the new review folded. And I kind of took a hiatus from writing. Um, That's pretty. I always thought it was the other way around that you got started with the new review and then you went over to Heavy Blog. But no, no, it was yeah. And then eventually, like I think junior year, so like a few couple of years later, I was like, yeah, I want to, uh, I want to start writing again. And they welcomed me back. Uh, so which is cool. Nice, nice, and and now your family. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. What was I? Gonna, oh, so well, I was gonna say before because you mentioned that the um, strongest tracks on Flamagra were like the collaborations. Have you noticed how there's like been sort of like an uptick, like a serious uptick in collaborative tracks as of late? Especially on hip hop, because if you look back to well, I mean, um, not even hip hop though, like any. Any album that's in the mainstream. I feel like it's easier than ever for artists to collaborate just because of, uh, you know, the way of technology. Like, I, I don't know how often, especially, I mean, if it's a collaborative album, I, I assume that they were in the, the studio at the same time. But maybe maybe even not, because obviously that Full of Hell and Merzbow album, uh, essentially, they even said that Merzbow just sent them some noise to use. Yeah. Um, so, like, maybe, maybe even not, maybe... You know, th- there's the illusion that they actually sat down and collaborated together. Well, I, um, w- what I meant is just like, I just find it like, I guess it is because of the technology, you know, of, of you know, people being capable to collaborate as opposed to having to fly someone out to you to maybe work with them if you guys gel or not. Um, it's definitely easier, but I, it just like, See, I, I don't want to be this guy that's like, oh, collaborations are bad. But, like, I, I kind of miss when, you know, the experience that an artist would bring in a, on an album was just their own, like, you know, it, it was just them. As as opposed to, like, being, like, um, you know, just, like, this star-studded cast. Like, I mean, it's especially with hip-hop, too, you know, it's just, like... Sure every other track is a collaboration. I, I don't know. I just, I wonder what it would be like to just have those artists, you know, doing solo stuff again, you know, of, of just solo, like n- not to say that like a collaboration or like, like one feature is bad on like a, um, on an album. It's just that like, it feels like it's nothing but features now. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and I think that technology has a lot to do with that, especially in, uh, Hip hop, because when you look back in the day, a lot of um, like just to go back to Biggie Smalls, for example, and Ready to Die, his his debut album. I think the yeah the only the only feature is Method Man, who also was you know in New York with Wu Tang. I think back yeah. in the day, if you weren't, it was much harder to incorporate a track by a guy that wasn't in the studio. You would have to to ship it, and like you know limitations. Of, I'm not going to pretend to know the how recording in the 90s work but i assumed that to record an album you really needed people to be there to reach the full quality level today that's not the case today that's not the case at all sometimes Jeez. i i've heard stories of people like doing their verses like over the phone sometimes back in the 90s or today um i'm trying to remember because i i want to say it was um it could have been like the new like i think when Gucci Mane, I think it was Gucci, right? Who who got out of prison not too long ago? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I think that one of the collaborations he had in that comeback album was done over the phone. If I remember. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think that sounds right, and and it, it's even easier than ever for a producer to kind of splice together. Um, I, I mean. Uh, people will talk about it all the time. They'll say that uh, you know this person just sent them a verse to use or something like that. They just kind of you know here's the parameters. Everyone has um, everyone has a certain amount of time. Like this is how much time you have to rap, how much space in the song, and then they just kind of you know just kind of do it. Um, so I I feel like that's I think it's one of those just because you can should you because I totally agree that I don't know if it's 
Um, I don't know if it's it's a good thing. I think one of the benefits of uh, on again, just because you know I've already mentioned a few times, Biggie Small's debut, like you really got to know Biggie Small as a rapper because he he just was spitting on all those songs. Like it was all him. It was his voice. It was you know the content he wanted the to rap about the topics he was talking about his story yeah uh, whereas when you have so many features obviously you can have different people talking about the same yeah things i guess you, but... you can direct the features like you know i mean again like flamagra like david lynch's little spoken word thing like that ties into the whole like thematics of the album sure you know i it's just that like I, I feel like they're they're the vision gets diluted a little bit. Yeah. Um just like I don't know. It feels like it's it's it, it's like musicians are trying to like do their own form of synergy kind mm-hmm. of um as opposed to like really trying to create like a musical vision together. I I, I mean maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but No, I mean it's it definitely um, I mean, obviously, rappers have always used producers, you know, since the the dawn of of hip hop. You know, we haven't. It's not like there used to. There was always like rapper producers, and then suddenly now rappers are lazy. Like people have always used producers, but I feel like nowadays, like the more you up um, the list of collaborators, the less an album kind of becomes a single artist. Well, I mean, in a way, see, I, I I think I think we're sort of getting our lines of communication across because i'm talking more about like features on on a track as opposed to like the actual producer list but i think that that's another huge hot button topic right there too because yeah, like, no, like, no yeah like, like, I, even um actually this is this is something that i've actually looked into um like kanye west has never actually like produced by himself <laughs> yeah but I, I think what i was trying to get at is, is that I think with the Kanye West album, you still know that it's like he's executive producing or whatever, and like you, you still kn- there was a specific um, list of artists you could kind of latch onto pretty quickly with, with older hip hop groups. Whereas nowadays, um, you know, most hip hop albums have not only a ton of features but a ton of producers on multiple different tracks. Well, so like the, the the sense of autonomy and the sense of authorship by a single person because not only are they not rapping for the entirety or like the vast majority of the project um they're also like for example asap rocky like i remember an album i loved it was uh his commercial debut i think it was long live asap like there was a feature on almost every single track who who rapped on you know a good portion of each track and then also he you know they had multiple different producers on the album so yeah like he he rapped the most but he didn't produce any of the beats he had a ton of other people rap throughout the album so like i technically it's his album but i feel like it's just it's so collaborative but it's not even collaborative you know it's it's splicing so many different producers that it almost almost becomes its own yeah thing See, its like, own entity this is something i was thinking about kanye uh not too long ago because i think i was listening to um there's this there's this podcast that um i can't i think it was treble that treble puts out that's all about like the worst songs and they tried to find like the worst rap songs and one of them that they they picked i think was um i think it was off of i think it's graduation let me see um it just like it was like a really trashy song that they did um drunken hot girls that's what that's oh that song's fucking atrocious yeah um but they were they were like dude like if you if you actually look at it kanye like doesn't really produce at all like i and I, like, i've tried to look into this a little bit and like so like for example on college dropout um the executive produce so the producers there are eight producers on college dropout mm. and four of them are executive producers <laughs> and remember yeah. kanye is just one person <laughs> it's, it's just one of those four people yeah um and I think what makes it even more frustrating is that there's different class, like someone who co-produced a track or contribute, like there's, you know, producers who contribute and then co-produce, and then you have executive producers, then you just have producers. Like there's a lot of different classifications. So technically you could have a producer who like only, you know, basically if you touch a beat, technically you're a co-producer. 
So I feel like it's difficult to know how much because he gets a ton of credit for his production. Exactly. And, the, the, um, that's the thing that bothers me though is that like you know like 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 we've we've had the Kanye talk before many many times on this podcast mm-hmm. that like you know we talk about like how you know oh we can't rap very well but like you know he's a good producer but the thing is like if if you're not doing like all the producing are you really that great of a producer i mean like and i'm not saying like this is this is cut and dry by any means like i think that there's there's more underneath the surface that you know we just aren't privy to uh but like i i think there's something to be said that if if you you know sort of have all these people with you like because like i don't know like i was listening to like rico nasty's uh latest thing with kenny beats and like i'm pretty sure that's just kenny like you know like it just it, it doesn't feel like oh we have like all these other people on with them if, if you get what i mean yeah no i totally get what you mean and um i wasn't you know back in the day when you, you had a like nwa like you knew that you know, Dr. Dre, it's a Dr. Dre beat, or like a, you know, a RZA well, beat back in the day. Or Dre like doesn't a, even produce for himself anymore. Yeah, anymore, but like, you know, back in the day, or like yeah. uh, Eric Eric B and Rakeem, you knew like if you heard the beat, Eric B did that. But yeah. now, you don't, because literally like beat, you know, song title, you know, lyrics, Rakeem, uh, you know, production, or you know, whatever, Eric B. I mean, it might be, might have a few collaborators here and there, but for the most part, it's just, you know, that's, it's coming from them. And with the way that um, collaboration has amplified, like we you mentioned, we've been talking about. Um, it's hard to know exactly, you know, which which part of the song, because uh, if I remember correctly, uh, I don't remember his name, but late registration, uh, Kanye's sophomore album, he was pretty deep into the process, and um, I think he wasn't like totally happy with how it was coming out, so he enlisted a relatively well known film score producer to help out and. You know, basically, I don't want to say they. I don't think they scrapped everything, but I think he significantly changed a lot of the beats and helped to overhaul it. You know, like how much did he do? Yeah. How much was he involved? I mean, like you know, they they put co-produced or like executive produced, blah blah blah, but they don't say like you know this person produced the, you know twenty five percent of this song or like this person produced. Oh, it was, it was the, John. The, it was John Bryan. Sorry, I'm looking into. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. So or like you know this person produced the drums. This person like you know, played piano that was sampled or whatever, you know. Um, it's definitely something that I've, I've considered over the years. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, let, like, the fact that, like, oh, all these producers come together to make this album doesn't make it any less of a great album. Like, that, that that's not the point I'm trying to make. I think it's just, like, credit has always been a very strange subject when it comes to hip-hop. Like, and I think only recently have people been able to, like, really speak out about it. You know, mm-hmm. and, like, we have, you know, we, we have we have producers who are finally really getting some cred. Like, you know, DJ Mustard, Metro Boom, and Kenny Beats. Like, you know, l- l- like, th- those are all names that people know now. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, you know, 10 years ago, I think the only producer I could probably think of from that time would be, like, Madlib and, like, maybe Blockhead. Yeah, you know, like, so it's it's definitely changed a little bit, and it, it's yeah. I think it's gotten better in a way. But I I just it, it's it sort of bugs me when we give all this credit to like this one person when you know in reality it was definitely more than them, you know, actually you know involved in its actual creation. Yeah, it's it's really. It's really a tough question to, to answer because I don't. I mean, maybe uh, we're giving Connie too much grief. Maybe they truly just come in and help, like finesse or act as kind of yeah you know, advisors, I, or I, I maybe mean, I, they truly do like have a significant hand in getting these beats off the ground. Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not here to shit on Kanye. I, I mean, I think sure Kanye kind of already does that to himself in his yeah. in his own way. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's more just like I, I'm thinking more just in general that like you know. It's kind of like when you look at a movie, you think that, oh, oh, this is the director's vision. But, you know, nowadays, like, unless it's, like, a very indie movie, that isn't the case. Like, you know, a lot of the times, like, you know, producers, executive producers have final cut on it. You know, a lot of, there are a lot of variables that influence what happens in a movie, you know, aside from just what the director wants. 
So mm-hmm. um, it's just, you know, it's just interesting to come up like, because, you know, I, on the other hand, because it like, while I find this to kind of be a little repellent, sometimes there are people like Walt Disney who like, you know, they had like this grand idea and it was because of all these other people working under them that they were able to, you know, sort of flesh out that idea and make it a reality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you aren't going to say that, like, you know, Disney did nothing. So yeah. It's, it's just it's, it's a very murky ground. I don't think that there's any specific answer for it whatsoever. Um, but I think it's something that's interesting to talk about. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's it's definitely an interesting idea to explore. And uh, it'd be nice if there was an easier explanation. Um, just, yeah. just because... I feel like again, like whenever you have a conversation about Kanye, the production is always. Uh, I mean, like when you have an album like Jesus that came out, or you know, even before that, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. Like the, the one of the focal points beyond his his lyrics is just how much the sound changed, how much you know different things he explored. But you know, like how much did he actually explore? How much was it other people? Because I know for Jesus, he brought in like Daft Punk. Um, he brought in like you know a slew of other. Wait, uh, he, he brought in Daft Punk for Jesus? Yeah, da- Daft Punk helped uh, produce. Uh, I don't remember what track. I think it might might have been "I Am a God." I don't remember. I'm gonna have to look um, into this because I I mean that I did not know that. I mean to be fair, I'm not um, a big Kanye fan. Um, wow, they they're like all over this album actually. Yeah, they, yeah. I am, they're on "I Am a God" on site. Um, send it up. Yeah, a couple. But yeah, um, it just shows how clueless I'm about Kanye. <laughs> yeah, um, it's it's uh, he definitely has created a, a lore onto himself. I about, just like I'm just not a fan, honestly. I I've just not like like you you know how like when you're getting into an artist, you know you sort of need like that through point, like you need like that album that sort of unlocks the rest of the albums for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it gets harder and harder when uh, the mainstream is just, you know, incomplete adoration of a, of a certain artist. Like, you know, Radiohead for me, like, you know, it was really hard for me to get into Radiohead initially. Um, you know, it was Kid A. It was listening to Kid A that, that really changed things for me. Like, OK Computer, I liked afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, you know, listening to that before I listened to Kid A was, was just not a pleasant experience for me. Even though I actually really like the album nowadays, um, and like w- with Kanye, like I just can't. I I keep trying on different albums, to like you know, because people are like, oh, listen to like My Dark Twisted Fantasy, you know, uh, you know, and so like I'll put that and I'm like, this is fine, but it's it's nothing like it's not as good as people make it out to be. Um, you know, there's nothing in there that really grabs me. Even like Power, like is a cool it's a cool track, but only for like the first half. Like it, it gets old really quickly for me. Um, you know, and then, but then people are like, oh, like I was watching, um, Fantano's, you know, uh, worst to best Kanye video. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's like, you know, like, oh, like college dropout is, he like still thinks that that's like Kanye's best. So like, I've tried to listen to that. I just can't get into it. Like, Mm. I, I, I just feel like he's, he's just not an artist for me, I think is the best way to put it. And I'm not. That isn't to say that he's a bad artist by any means, because I think there are a lot of artists that, you know, I have a healthy respect for, but I just am not big on their music, you know, Um, and Kanye is probably the biggest one. I would say mm, maybe Beach Boys, Um, even though I really like like Beach Boys greatest hits, but I I do not like Pet Sounds. I'll be honest. Mm. (laughs) Um, I I just that album I feel like is. I, I feel like half of the songs are decent, and then the other half are just completely forgettable. Um, hmm. But yeah, I, I know <laughs> I'm talking about like one of your favorite albums, so <laughs> I'll just I'll just shut up. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah, no, it is. It isn't the worst thing we've said to each other musically. So, <laughs> like, I, I do. You, do you remember like how you, you always feel bad that 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 you don't like BC Boys? <laughs> well, I don't necessarily feel bad that I don't like them. I feel bad that like we had an episode where basically it was my is you shit on them. Yeah, I had, I had no choice in a way. I could either lie about what I thought or like be a, a, a dick about it. And... <laughs> but the the thing is, like, you weren't a dick about it. Like, you were fine. Like, 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 
Like, it, it, it wasn't like you were going on and on and on about how bad it was. And it wasn't like you went on this episode, like, with the intention of shitting on it. Like, you know, we, we, we tried to listen to Paul's Boutique because you had never really listened to a full album of theirs. And you wanted mm-hmm. to give it a try. Like, you know, as opposed to, like, you know how there are, like, those reviewers out there who, like, like, like they, they, they don't even care about the actual content. Mm-hmm. They they just care like oh like this is a person I don't like this person so I'm gonna completely shit on everything that they create regardless yeah. of its quality or not like you're not doing that like I think you know you I think if you did do that I think that would be something worth um, you know talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the, sure. I, I, the thing is I don't see that ever happening um, because like you're just you 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 like music too much to you know like to, to to be that petty i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> oh speaking of i i don't know do you want to talk about this or not but um we were texting uh a few like it was probably a week ago now or a little more um about how you're saying that uh fantano's like picks for albums are getting like really normy now mm-hmm. um i still found that to be i i, I just do, are you cool if we talk about this or sure. because I I'm just like I'm still confused about what your points are that that, that like you know sort, I mean, of, sort I, of create feel, that opinion like, for you. I feel like it is a slight distinction, but I I felt like if if anyone would know what I meant, you would because I mean there are different parts of any community or, or kind of group, and I feel like he's following in general he's following the homogenization of pitchfork and a lot of other sites where it's just becoming more and more beige i mean even if you go back to 2014 with uh pitch you know pitchfork is kind of the um the main you know the main place like the 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 beacon for the indie blogosphere for better or worse and like on their 2014 list they had pharmacon and run the jewels and uh perfume genius and they just had a, a slew of different genres represented they had a slew of different pieces from yeah I, I mean it's kind of uh in a sense normie picks for you know people who listen to that kind of like what's indie approved quote unquote or whatever and i felt like that more or less represented where um where fantana was back in the day uh, but now i i just feel like he and pitchfork have gone where it's very much it's just Beige is the word that comes to mind because it's very much just, you know, pop and, and folk. It's the same kind of more or less like the adventurous side. Like if they have um, a metal album at all, it's it's a pretty safe pick. If they have any type of electronic release, it's usually just kind of a, a soft ambient one or something like that. Like I, just, I, f- I feel like it's it's in a way splitting where there's um, they will cover underground releases, but they just don't get the same playtime is a lot of i mean i think it's also in the rise of pop music being accepted like mainstream pop music has yeah, optimism or whatever yeah I, I mean you have billy eyelash this year you had you know ariana grande last year you have uh, i mean beyonce and solange have have taken off like you have this I- embracement of pop for better or worse where uh for for whatever reason these kind of styles that would never have even been covered uh, before and i think you saw it when I mean, Pitchfork never reviewed Taylor Swift's 1989, but then suddenly it took off and became one of the biggest albums of the year, you know, commercially, and eventually, critically, it followed suit. So it was interesting how Pitchfork didn't review it. They didn't give any thoughts about it beforehand. But when it came to the end of the year, they stuck it pretty high up on their top 50 list because yeah. I feel like they wanted to try to seem relevant. And I feel like that's happened before. You know, I've used the Daft Punk example where they, they called it a Frankenstein monster of disco and electronic music you know dance music and then suddenly it's their number three album of the decade yeah i so but 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 your 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 thought is that fantano's kind of fallen into this same sort of thing it felt like it to me i mean there was a little bit of of splash and color in in his lists in a way i mean i don't know know at the top of my head i guess i could look it up but uh it just felt to me that it very much was um amongst the things he's covered um, that even thinks he's given a popular opinion to. I know he only picked 15, so it's not, you know, super representative. But the things he did pick felt uh, amongst the more safer and lighter spectrum of what he had covered before. Yeah, I so my um, 
you know, I don't know if you remember my rebuttal to all this because I, I mean, I, I, I agree with you to a certain extent because, I, I, but, but I think that the reason that it is the way it is, at least with Fantano, is is because of um, just sort of necessity. I would say on his part that like, you know, he needs he needs to eat in a way, and like you know, he makes his money from reviews. And, you know, he doesn't put anything on his year-end list for the most part uh, that he doesn't review. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I think those two things kind of collide. And so, like, you know, he's not going to cover something that's super obscure anymore because he, you know, he, he could spend that, you know, that video on something that might get a little more views. Uh, and I'm not saying he always does this because he doesn't. He, you know, there are times he'll come out with something that like I've even never heard of, um, like that Otoboki Beaver album. Like mm-hmm. I'd never heard of that before that. Um, but you know, I, like so, I think that there's there's that. But I, I think also like I've I've looked into his, you know, like if you remember some of some of his older. Um, lists like you know i'm i'm trying to think of like like you know like when money store came out like pitchfork pitchfork rated money store pretty well i'm pretty sure right um i think so if i if i yeah, recall I'm, I'm gonna look it up just uh just, just be like so like I, I feel like it's always been kind of like that like he's never he's never been one to like really really like pull really deep um but like I don't know. I I just feel like there's more to it. Like I I don't I don't think it's like it's gotten. Like I I feel like it's. I mean, it's definitely gotten like a little more beige. But like I can't think it. I I don't see it as being like this massive shift because I th- I think it's always sort of been like that. He, I think he's like like the the albums that he really likes that he, that he even liked back then were like really really big indie blogosphere albums, you know. Where like and I I think where the difference comes and I mentioned this to you is that like you you are just so immersed in like underground music that like of course like anybody <laughs> like of course Fantano would look kind of normy nowadays like 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 you you come up with all these names of all these bands that I have never heard of and you're like oh yeah like you, like you you give me so many good recommendations so it's like. You know, you and him are on completely different planes right now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it might be one. Um, it can be kind of a two things are true at the same time kind of thing. You know, he can be um, dis- disappointing to me in the sense of what he's recommending, yeah. and he can you know not really be helping out. But that could be you know a symptom of the fact that I've kind of outgrown a need for. Uh, following him outside of you know, I used to follow him for entertainment, and I still do that. But also, yeah. there was the, the 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 primary function at the time of wanting to explore, um, you know, explore new music and, and ex, you know, kind of expand my horizons into that, that yeah. world. Yeah, um, I mean, look, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's definitely definitely a me changing. I, th- I think the reason I've come to that conclusion is just because that's how that's how I approach music nowadays. Um, yeah. I, I look. I, I'm not again. Let, let, like you know, it, it's. I'm not going to say, oh, your opinion's wrong, Scott, because like it isn't. Like it's your opinion. Like <laughs> you know, <laughs> like so. It's. I. I just think that yeah, the, there are a lot more factors at play than I think. Just like oh, you know, he, he's gotten really gnarly. Like I think, you know, I think our own growth as like music explorers sort of you know has something to say here, but I think, you know, you aren't entirely, I, I don't think you're wrong at the same time, if you get what I mean, but like, you know, the, like the fact that he even, you know, will even review something like, like Miley Cyrus's new EPs, you know, is, says something. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. I mean, it, it is his job, so it's, it's yeah. important to take that into account that he does need to review things that people care about. If he reviewed only like esoteric, really on, uh, unknown releases that frankly most people didn't care about that's not exactly yeah. a winning business model and, and i think that he's he, i think he's sort of like sort of I, I think he's still doing that but it's in a different way like um i don't know if you've noticed on the fantano channel that he uh will sometimes do like you know uh reviewing your music 
videos. Yes. Yeah. So like like he he'll 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 poke around in that area, but he doesn't count it as like you know like an official the needle drop album review. It's it's sort of like uh like like it came from Bandcamp, which I mean it, again it's, it's it's more of a meme fest than it is like oh like like you know real real good music we're checking out most yeah, of the time. Yeah, for sure. Anyway. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. There's something else I was just thinking about with, with Fantano, and it, again, my memory fails me. Um, do you have any recommendations? Because like, I'm thinking like Gingo Biloba <laughs> and Omega-3 fish oil, but... <laughs> oh, for... for, for. <laughs> to, help, to help my memory, <laughs> to help my piss-poor memory, but... <laughs> Maybe just doing a Sudoku or a Sudoku or whatever. I, I actually do that. I, funny enough, I I do that a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. It, though I don't. I it's gonna sound weird, but I don't think I do it right. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never. It just it seems too hard for me. Just, it, it, it's actually really it's actually really easy if you um if you know the rules of it. It's just about really just being in sort of like the right mindset for it like sometimes yeah. sometimes i'll have to take a break and like come back and be like oh that's where that goes fuck yeah. i'm stupid like that type of thing so um yeah <laughs> what was i but what was i thinking about I don't know, do you, you, is there anything on your mind right now <laughs> uh not really i'm kind of uh it was a it was a weird kind of busy day at work and uh, i was coming off of uh, a long weekend so uh i don't know how many current of i mean there's a ton of tons of albums i uh have been listening to this you know i we are going to do two albums of the yeah. week two uh, albums i'm excited to talk about i was just uh, i was just thinking like we're at 46 minutes now so why don't we just get to those yeah i uh, mean just for me personally there hasn't been a lot of music news but there's just been a ton of great music over the last uh, i feel like i've really started to create because um, I've, I've listened to like 350 albums at this point of the year which is ridiculous but a lot of those are are you know just do cursory listens or there might be EPs or demos or whatever like I still listen to, yeah I listen to a lot of like death metal demos they're only like four tracks long from like up and coming bands um, but there's definitely been some top ten contenders that have have sprouted up over the last few weeks and the first one this is an artist I've followed for a while I've really liked his music um, I think it's a he it's a one man a black metal project but. Definitely in a very experimental vein. They've been releasing music for quite a while, um, pretty much on an annual cadence, and they've always done like really weird shit. Um, but this kind of takes the cake. It's really, uh, I think, his finest refinement of what he tries to do, and that's uh, the new album, Buyer Fringence by Juke Gite. Oh, um, okay, yeah. Juke Gite is really interesting they use uh, he uses like serialism and microtonality and just uh, kind of experimental uh, modern classical techniques or just general like uh, kind of modern composition techniques with the black metal mindset and this album has a lot of industrial elements a lot of noise elements uh, there's some like some goddamn like breakdowns on this in a <laughs> way I mean not like in the you guys goes deathcore <laughs> but like, yeah like not in the traditional sense but the way they use it is or he uses it is like in, just really, really well done. Really heavy, but in the context of the weirdness and kind of the avant-garde nature of his music, um, it's just super chaotic, super intriguing. Uh, very long, dense listen, but uh, really worth it. Uh, an impressive amount of variety given the kind of music he's trying to make here. Yeah, I, I um, see. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, peg you for much of a Jukeite fan. So yeah, I, I, I love Jukeite. I've never gotten into an album as much as this, uh, just because the, it's. Um, he's I very, like he's very prolific. So. He's always he's always produced great music, but I feel like this is the first album where the the density and kind of the avant gardeness that he dr- brings to the table um, has some balance to it and really kind of develops in a way. Whereas it kind of felt more maximalist, like I'm just gonna do this one type of thing, yeah, like, pedal to the metal. And this had a little bit more restraint, a little bit more variety, and I think it just clicked in a way that is I've just kind of been obsessed with. Nice, nice, because I, I I was actually. Um... I think I was looking on Sputnik Music, and they I saw, you know, just that it had gotten pretty high in their ratings so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to give it a try. So it's just more incentive. So <laughs> yeah, I'd really highly recommend it. Yeah. Uh, I, do you mind if I stick one of mine in first before we we, we, we come back to your second or? Yeah, I figured we go back and okay. forth. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody could really splice that and have a field day. Oh, what I just said, but um. <laughs> Okay, so uh, 
when since it's been like two weeks since we've you know convened um i took an album that i was listening to last week or maybe the week before now uh but it was just like you know how like sometimes you'll have like one of those albums on in your car that like you'll just keep pressing like back you know to to, like replay a track over and over again uh like i have one of those experiences even though i love the entire album it's um jim croce you don't mess around with jim Uh, oh yeah i see see andrew's gotten through to you you know yeah i i mean i i've liked this up for a while now i actually funny uh i was actually hanging with andrew uh just this past week uh he actually came down to cape cod um but that's you know beside the point um yeah he got me into this album i really love it i i love it a lot you know um and i was i'm trying to like there are a couple of tracks on it that i just i would just keep listening to over and over again like uh time in a bottle is like one of the big ones for me but uh box number 10 i, I don't know how familiar you are with with any of these songs but box uh, number, I, I don't sure. like, do you remember box number 10 by any chance i'm sure it's one of those if i heard it i'd i'd know it because maybe uh, I, I was at, at a friend's house for a game night and he put on best of jim croce and i was shocked at yeah. how many songs i knew yeah it's it, it, the whole thing is about him going to new york trying to make it big as a musician and then being uh getting robbed and then uh then later when he asks you know his parents to send him money he ends up getting robbed again <laughs> and beaten up basically and um yeah it's just like it, it, it's kind of sad in a way i mean obviously but yeah. it, it just let like i don't know that, that song always really gets to me because like like you know the chorus is like you know um mama and dad i'm gonna have to call collect because i ain't got a cent to my name i've been sleeping in the hotel doorway and tonight they say it's gonna rain yeah it's like like just like like usually a lot of um singer songwriter like stuff in the in this sort of vein uh, uh-huh. don't really get to me a lot but for some reason a lot of jim croce stuff gets to me um like like he has this line i think it's on today today's gonna be a brighter day um that it's like you can't have the rainbow without the rain, which mm-hmm. is like it's such a colloquial type of thing. But at the same time, it like sort of stops me in my tracks. I'm like, huh, like yeah, yeah. So that's a you don't mess around with Jim. So <laughs> nice, yeah. Like I, I've, I've I should get a, a Jim Croce album at some point. I I've, I've I was enjoyed... just going, I was just going with that one. Uh, yeah, I think it's really good. It was, it was definitely what got me into him, um, but. Yeah. Yeah. So the next album actually is more in line with the uh, kind of in the wheelhouse of Jim Croce. Not, I mean, not really. I guess he'll be the judge, but yeah. Pitchfork uh, put out an article saying this band to put out their first album in I think like um like forty six years, like forty. It's like quite a while. Um, I didn't even know they existed to begin with. Um, oh, why do I feel like I know who this is? Uh, so I decided to check them out, and it's uh, Lavender Country, and oh. it's their self-titled debut. I've been listening to a lot, as well as their their new album, but the the self-titled debut is kind of what I got into them. Um, so it's led by this this guy named Patrick. Is his full name escapes me? Uh, let me look it up. It's Patch. I, I got it. Patrick Haggerty. Okay. Um, and he led this band, Labrador Country, which is the first known um, gay country, openly yeah, openly gay country act in in the genre's history. Uh, which I, I just kind of caught me off guard in the sense that it's not something that even still today is widely accepted in like country adjacent communities. And the album is really, it's extremely well done, you know, 70s folk and country at the time. Uh, but also just the the lyrics and the songs are pretty uh, pretty heart-wrenching, honestly. You know, they, they focus on a lot of themes of, you know, being gay at that time uh, and just kind of what, you know, identity and visibility and just, you know, relationships uh, when you're obviously kind of a, your identity is kind of a makes you a pariah in society. Uh, you know, there's one song in particular. It's called "I Can't Shake the Strange Stranger Out of You," 
and it's talking about you know how like they could have all this great you know sex uh the gay community back in that time but they couldn't uh, you know, couldn't shake the stranger out of each other in the sense they couldn't be more than strangers to each other because of not being, you know, their relationships not being acceptable in society. Um, and so they kind of never got past that step in, in having a relationship with someone and never was able to develop the same kind of love and relationships that straight people could at the time. Uh, just kind of it caught me off guard. You know, it's not something I expected to ever... Uh, I guess I'm not surprised that that exists given that uh, there's, you know queer groups in pretty much every genre but especially back in the 70s i mean that's pretty forward thinking and the music itself is is great in its own right um so definitely not the album i expected to be in get into but i'm, I'm glad i was made it you know made aware that it exists yeah no it's i see i i think you've had a because i like well bleh. <laughs> um I've always, country music has always been a tough thing for me to get into, and I, I thought that was sort of the same thing for you, if I remember correctly. Slow, slowly I've been, I mean, the more I've gotten into folk, the more that like kind of traditional country has started to appeal to me. Yeah. There's a, I mean, there's there's definitely some, uh, some overlapping there, in a way, depending on what strains of folk you listen to, what strains of country you listen to. Uh, I listened to I forget the name of it, uh, Willie Nelson album recently as well, and, and just kind of getting more into alt country and like outlaw country and just uh, stuff that's a bit more. Um, I do like the narrative driven approach. Just kind of modern country soured me on it initially. Yeah, and I've, I've slowly been coming around on it. I mean, my modern country is horrible. So yes, indeed, indeed. I mean, I say as somebody who was raised on it like george i was raised on like george Strait and like uh alan jackson and stuff mm-hmm. i hated it so much from the minute i heard it as a child <laughs> so i though I, I feel like people probably wouldn't count alan jackson or george Strait in the same vein as you'd put like a brad paisley or like a um i don't know who's, who's one of the new ones who's just oh god horrible. i mean Flo- florida georgia line oh um, yeah i mean i wasn't even thinking of them. I, I was mean, thinking of like one of those Another solo uh, sort of act. Um, I'm trying to think of. I, I can't think. But like, yeah, pretty much just mindless, wife beating, beer drinking country. It's like no, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've got pretty much the exact opposite of this of of that album <laughs> for for my All right, uh, my other album of the week. So. Uh, I, I finally gotten around to listening to um, some of the new stuff that's come out. Like you know, I think I've talked about how like my my new music list has gone up to like it's like sixty hours now of music or something like that. Yeah. Um, I finally started listening, you know, chopping it down earlier this, like last week, um, and I came across this album that initially turned me off. Like I was actually going to to skip it, but I just. Like, there was something about it that just kind of kept me going. Um, so, I don't know if you've heard this. It's called uh, Son of Goldfinger. That's the name of the album. But it's a collaborative improvisation by um, David Torn, Tim Byrne, and Chess Smith on drums. Uh, okay. It is fucking amazing to listen to. And I think the weirdest thing about it is that it's off of it's it's released off of uh, ECM. Oh, which, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah I know, right? You, like, like, it was very, like, dissonant and out there, which is, like, I did not expect from an ECM album. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is super cool. Like, they, so, um, I'm trying to remember. I think David Torn plays guitar and does some electronics. Tim Byrne does some saxophone. And Chess Smith does drums and some other electronics. And they create just, like, this really interesting atmosphere. Like, each track is, like, 20 minutes or longer. Um and they, they, they just they create this atmosphere, like I said, that is just not something I've heard in an improvised, you know, album before. Um, hmm. It had just it was very droney and sort of, um, you know, it, it, it sort of wrapped itself around you around me in a way. Uh, it was just like it was really cool to see like that you could do this with these type of instruments. Um, that like you know the, the like like Smith's drums were like kind of like in like the background of the mix almost that like you know they, they sort of helped create an atmosphere like sort of like um 
if you remember some, uh, like I think, uh, the the first track off of Skeleton Tree, um, sort of had something similar to that. That you sort of had like no, was it the second? It, it could have been the second track off Skeleton Tree. It was it was one of those that like it would use drums as like an effect uh, to add to the atmosphere as opposed to an actual metric keeping device. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really cool. Just you know to hear sort of the extent that these guys could go through like it, it wasn't it wasn't one note even though it, it but at the same time it was very cohesive so it's it's a really long album i mean it was a little over an hour uh but i really enjoyed it i thought it was really cool it's probably gonna end up in my like end of the year list just because of just how inventive i felt it was because um, you know with with improvised music it can sometimes be a hit or miss that like sometimes it just feels like it, like there's nothing really going on in it. Mm -hmm. And other times you have something like this that like really has like a lot of power behind it, but you know, a lot of, a lot of subtlety at the same time. So yeah. Nice. I mean, that sounds wicked cool. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. I I highly suggested it. Uh, And I think, I don't know if you know, Chessmith was, you know, I think he was involved with secret chiefs three at one point. Um, as well as, you know, like, you know, Mr. Bungle and, like, people like that. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, and he was, he was also on one of John Zorn's latest albums. It was, um, oh, uh, it was the one that, it was just him and Zorn. Uh, oh, God, I can't remember this. What, what, what is my memory, Scott? Why? Uh, I'm going <laughs> to look this up right now because it's going to kill me if I don't. I think it's, like, uh, in a convex mirror. That's what it was. Okay. Um, yeah, I think Ikue Mari shows up for like one track, but it's mostly just, you know, Chess Smith and John Zorn just kind of, you know, just fighting on it. So, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, this has been uh, Say Sure for this week. So, all right. No, we'll be back with a normal episode next week. And, uh, yeah. Have, yeah we, we hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully it wasn't too painful, so. (laughs) Uh, Okay, have a good day. All right, take care. Bye. Bye.